So I do find it interesting that last week you started asking me about what soap operas I grew up watching. <laughs> yes. And that led to a conversation about professional wrestling. And then here we are this week. Mm -hmm. One of the world's most famous professional wrestlers passes away. And you had always encouraged me to try and explore the ideas of having a wrestling podcast. Yes, you love it so much. You're always reading about it. Just to me, it makes sense to try to do something that you love. How many professional wrestling items are in this room right now? Um, quite a few, I think. Yes. Can you There's, give me a number? I'm sorry, I was looking around. Well, I see three just super fast, and that's not even like looking super hard. So, okay, yeah, I see at least three. Okay, you can add three more to it. We've got the uh, World Heavyweight Broadcast Championship. Mm -hmm. I've got my Hulk Hogan uh, Funko, Funko uh, little guy there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is two. Uh, number three is the belt your mom got me for Christmas, the WWE Championship Igloo Cooler <laughs> Belt. Awesome. That is great. And also, I have my two beer cans. I have my Stone Cold Steve Austin mm -hmm. Broken Skull IPA and the Warrior IPA that is also beside that as well. So you add that all together. That would be one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, and that's at least. I mean, I see credentials over there, so chances oh, yeah. are there's some sort of credentials for wrestling events. And, Absolutely. I've got my AEW uh, backstage pass on there. Yeah. That's and all, just that's open up there. any random browser on your computer. <laughs> Uh, well, you'd have to go to the history, and I'm looking right now. It's not It's not right now, but recently, yes, at any given time. And that's the thing. People ask if, you know, you worry about what your husband is doing online. You know mm -hmm. at any given time. You can check the history <laughs> on my computer. I don't have a problem that you're going to find one of two things. You're going to see Facebook or you're going to see some sort of wrestling site. That's about it. It's true. But growing up and, and as a kid who loved professional wrestling, I didn't get a chance to attend it until I was almost 11 years old. I was 10 years old going on 11 in 1986 when my dad took me to Altoona, Pennsylvania to see professional wrestling uh, live and in person. And by that time, when we talk about the Iron Sheik, that guy was in his 40s, mm -hmm. a little bit overweight, but one of the most popular characters in the entire world. And when I say popular, people just love to hate him because he just worked the crowd the entire time on this mm -hmm. anti-American gimmick that he did. The fact was, he loved this country. He loved what this country gave to him, the opportunities and the freedoms that he had. He was an Olympic wrestler. This is a guy who would actually trained the U.S. Olympians when he moved here after he was a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran in the 70s. And even after he was retired, his uh, his Twitter account continued to entertain people as well. Well, and that's the thing. He didn't even run the Twitter account. The Twitter account was run by his two nephews, but mm -hmm. it, they did it and they knew the uh, the words of the, the Sheik. Voice. The voice of the Sheik, absolutely. And he continued to use that voice also in a lot of public ways as well. So this week, we decided to do some Sheik stories. I reached out to my friends in professional wrestling, mm -hmm. and they have their personal experiences with the Sheik, as well as some of the best Sheik stories they have ever heard. We're going to hear from uh, your friend, you know him too, Tyler Cates, uh -huh. formerly known as Tyler Steele, professional wrestler, guy who owned his own federation, and in the 90s had a chance to work with the Iron Sheik, so he has a story about that. But before we get to Tyler... Admittedly, I am a wrestling geek. I am a fan. And I think I have made you a fan, or at least you're willing to tolerate it uh, because of me. I would say it has to be a little bit more than tolerate because I, I put up so. with a lot. So that's like a level above tolerate. Like I'd have to enjoy it to a certain extent. Well, I guess so. I mean, some people have like their favorite sports teams. You know, mm -hmm. if a guy has a favorite baseball team and if they're playing three or four times a week and you have to watch that team and I guess you either become a fan of the team or you end up getting upset with the person and having a problem because they spend more time with that than you want them to but uh you have you have let that embrace into our home and i appreciate that in fact uh, we were married the day after wrestlemania mm -hmm. in new york city we got a chance mm -hmm. to go to wrestlemania in new york city best man for the wedding 
a very famous wrestling reporter. My good friend <laughs> Justin Lobar was our best man on the top of 30 Rockefeller <laughs> yes, Center was. that day. So, I mean, your memories of professional wrestling. I mean, I know what I felt growing up and that fandom continued to build. But, you know, you t tell me as a kid that was going through elementary school in the mm -hmm. 80s and it's not something that was necessarily going on in your house. What are your earliest memories that you have of professional wrestling? Um, I would have to say Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah, I mean, I th I don't know. I think that's our, our generation. I think a lot of people who weren't focused on it or had a lot of exposure to it, that was kind of, that was the the segue into it, you know, because it was very popular outside of that. Absolutely. Had a lot of merchandise outside of WWE. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's, I remember like Hulk Hogan dolls and things like that. Absolutely. And without the Iron Sheik, you don't get this world-famous Hulk Hogan because the reason Hulk Hogan becomes champion, we're talking about the time that the Rocky movies are famous. We're talking about Rocky IV, where Rocky's going against the Russian. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. The Iron Sheik at this time, 1983 in the United States of America, is the WWF world champion going around and spreading all kinds of anti-American rhetoric just to get crowds riled up because they knew they were bringing in this big blonde dude that looks all American and start mm -hmm. taking him over the guy from quote unquote Iran so that they can start this whole Hulkamania campaign. So without the Iron Sheik, you don't get Hulk Hogan. Okay. I have a question about this. Okay. So you've shown me, especially in the last 48 hours, we've watched a lot of, you know, Sheik tape and listened to a lot of things. And one of the things that I've noticed, there's that huge um, rivalry between the two of them that you just talked about. Yes. But it seemed, was that like all kayfabe or was that real? Because it okay. definitely. See, that's, how much, that's how much of a fan I've made you of professional wrestling. <laughs> Explain, kayfabe means when you're staying in character. Is this really happening? Now, kayfabe yeah. is like you're staying in character. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or if it's a shoot, this is legitimate right because it'd be like if it's a shoot wrestler that means someone can can really do this okay you're asking were they in character when they did this or was this all legit that they hated each other well i'm sure a lot of it was character but did they legit hate each other too uh, i think the iron sheik as far as i can tell i think there's some legitimacy of what he doesn't appreciate from hulk hogan is what a lot of his peers would tell you some of the prima donna attitude that he mm -hmm. pulled on things now we're getting into that a little bit with joe dombrowski there's a story that he tells about when the iron sheik is working for WWF and Hulk Hogan is getting ready to defeat him for the championship belt. He actually was, well, we'll get into that with Joe coming up. <laughs> he is a man who has worn many hats, many places in the world of professional wrestling, and you can find him as the voice of MLW Major League Wrestling. Joe Dombrowski, welcome to GenX.FM. Um, hi. Joe Dombrowski, since I last talked to you, you are a man about the world in professional wrestling, a guy who has uh, been play-by-play uh, -play color and uh, done so many things, so many places around the world, and that's why I wanted to reach out to you today. As I'm doing the uh, Sheik stories, I know a lot of people have their own, but when we talk about the Iron Sheik, can you talk about someone, since you've been around the world and you've seen so many things, his influence on so many different people and just what he meant to the industry as a whole i mean the iron sheik was uh, um a, a perfect time a perfect place mm. he was and i wrote this on my social media he was the personification of everything you would want in a pro wrestling talent in the 1980s sure. he was over the top he was colorful he was outspoken he was a borderline cartoon character at times he had a a persona that can elicit 
an emotional response and a real, genuine, visceral, emotional response, um, positive and negative in his career. And he was legit. He was a badass. He could mess somebody up if he needed to. Uh, he was a uh, amateur Greco-Roman right, and right, freestyle right. champion before ever doing pro wrestling. So he could hold his own. And the fact that he rose to prominence at the time he did, you know, the 1980s were, you know, so often there were the tropes, not just in wrestling, but in all of entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Movies, television. You have your foreign menace, right? And the Sheik came along right around the time of the Iran hostage crisis. And you had uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, who I believe was holding 52 United States citizens captive right. for an extended period of time. And as is so often in wrestling, art imitates life. She comes to the ring with the Ayatollah's face on his Iranian flag. And it's immediate box office to work with Sergeant Slaughter and whoever the top heroes of the day are. And what a catalyst to lead to the entrance into the territory that would become WWE in New York of a guy named Hulk Hogan. If Iron Sheik is not the personification of a true villain that he is meant to be maybe hulkamania doesn't reach the heights it was supposed to maybe it doesn't exist at all because if hogan comes in and he beats terry gibbs or steve lombardi or somebody people really didn't have a definitive opinion about who cares but to beat the cheek fresh in the territory to save the world title and kick off that whole run you could not have planned the timing any better. And I don't think anybody could have filled that spot as well as Sheik did. One word that I love that you use in there was box office. And that's something that the Sheik understood because when you talk about his background, he was he's someone who loved this country. He loved what the country gave to him, the freedoms that the United States provided. Because when you talk about his background, you talk about being a legit badass. That guy was a legitimate Greco-Roman wrestler. That guy was a legitimate guard to the Shah of Iran before he came to the States. That guy trained Olympic wrestlers. That guy is a legitimate badass. Well, yeah, and if you listen to the stories, uh, legend has it that uh, Vern Gagne who was the Minneapolis promoter for AWA that Hulk Hogan had just left weeks earlier yes. to, to join Vince McMahon's WWF at the time. Uh, Vern allegedly offered Sheik $100,000 to break Hogan's leg and take the world title back to Minneapolis. And Sheik, if he wanted to do that, Hulk Hogan wasn't going to stop him. <laughs> Nobody in that building was going to stop him <laughs> fast enough. If no way, all. Bubba. No way, Bubba. Anyone would stop him. And, and so we talk about the legend of the Sheik and, and like you said, the respect that he had from his peers and from the audience. I look at it from an audience perspective because I'm a guy who came up through the 80s when I first learned about the Sheik. Yes, it was those rock and wrestling days. It was the Hulk Hogan uh, cartoon. It was the the initial WrestleMania. That's when I'm first getting introduced to the Iron Sheik. But we talk about his background, like I said, legitimate badass and how he really did love this country and 
his wife and his family and was a guy who loved the freedoms, let's say, that this country provided and yet through it all gave all he had back to the fans. Well, he loved this sport. He loved this business. He loved the fact that he had a chance to have the freedom to, to, to live life his way and, and on, on his terms and, and just see so much of the world that um, you would never see otherwise. But But he certainly understood his role and i think to maybe some of the younger listeners uh uh, some of the subject matter may seem a little dated a little sensitive um obviously the world has changed and evolved when it comes to respecting other people's customs and and heritage and this was a time when rocky four was the biggest movie in the world it was all about the tropes you talk about it wasn't just professional wrestling it was in entertainment but at the time there's a guy who understood if there's money to be made and people want to feel this way and if there's emotion and that's what this this entertainment this sport is all about is about evoking emotion and he knew how to get emotion out of the audience without question and one of my favorite stories from that that time period actually involved Sheik's tag team partner, Nikolai Volkov, who, of course, portrayed a, uh, a Soviet Russian at that same point in time. I don't believe he was actually Russian. I believe he was maybe Lithuanian. But uh, I remember hearing there was a conversation with Nikolai and Fred Blassie, and Nikolai politically was was very much at odds with what the USSR stood for and, and was doing at the time. And, and Nikolai said... Uh, uh, Fred, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I'm against all of this. I hate what this stands for. What should I do? And Freddie looked at him and said, if you hate it that much, show all the fans why they should hate it too. And Nikolai became again, a huge draw, a huge box office success uh, because after Sheik's run as WWF champion, he had a huge run on top as a tag team. Right with Nikolai Volkov as a couple of four minutes. So that breathes new life into both of them. And it just goes to show you, if you have that mindset where put your ego aside, put your personal views aside, put whatever uh, you may have that that is going to get in the way of doing business and just focus on where is the money and where is that emotional hook, then 99 times out of 100, you're, you're doing good business. Joe Dombrowski, it's been over a decade since I spoke with you, buddy. Let's not uh, wait so long in between next time, okay? No, no it'll, I, I guarantee it'll be no more than nine and a half. <laughs> I'm going to close what I did with everyone else. Thank you, Bubba. I appreciate your time. Number one, you are the real <laughs> Joe Dombrowski, no jabron. My love of professional wrestling is pretty deep-seated, and I do like the quote that if you're not a fan, no explanation will ever work. But if you are a fan, no explanation is ever needed. What I can tell people who aren't fans of professional wrestling, it's a lot like being an actor. Sure, you have your mega superstars, but in between, there's a lot of working actors, and the same can be said about professional wrestling. Another friend of mine is Tyler Cates. Formerly known as Tyler Steele in the world of professional wrestling. He was a professional wrestler. He owned his own federation and has since moved on to being a published author. Tyler tells us about his Sheik story and his personal interaction with the Iron Sheik. Even the Sheik stories is really, uh, I mean, compared to compared to the ones I've heard the last 24 hours, it's, it's uh, fairly tame. Well, that's the thing. Let's just start there, okay? Because it seems like everyone in the uh, professional wrestling world after the Iron Sheik passed away, like everyone has a Sheik story. You had your experience with the Iron Sheik. I know that you've worked with him. Tell me about your first time meeting him because as you're coming in, he's already a legend. Yeah, I, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure I'd met him 
like uh, on some indie uh, events when I was a fan. Um, so the first time, I'm, I'm not even sure. I'm sure it was on an indie show somewhere in Maryland or West Virginia because he, he made the rounds a lot uh, in the early 90s. So we were booked together on a lot of a lot of events, Maryland, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, et cetera. So I kind of got used to seeing him, and he would always pretend to remember who everyone was, even if he didn't remember. But uh, on one particular event, um, we're in a, it's, this is probably mid to late 90s, so let's say 96, 97. I'll remember the salient details, but not the, not sure. the towns and the, and the exact dates. But we're in Pennsylvania somewhere. And we're sitting at the autograph tables, and uh, obviously the sheik is, is attracting the longest line, and uh, and I don't know how much you know listeners are, are aware of the term money mark, but every every once in a while or more often than that, somebody with too much money and too little brains will try to get into the wrestling business. Uh, I think it still happens today. Uh, <clears throat> AEW. Well, but, um, I, let's say AEW today, but even before that, you can say what happened with TNA, a guy like Jeff Jarrett who launched that federation, but then needed financial backing, the financial backing that he got from Panda Energy, and they installed their daughter as a, a president of this company, who ended up being that term, a money mark, throwing money after money after money, not really knowing what they're doing with the business side of it. Exactly. So on a much smaller scale than, you know, than the billions of dollars that those two companies were dealing with, a guy came to this event in Pennsylvania just specifically to make contact with, with the Iron Sheik to get him booked on his event that he was going to be promoting. Uh, it was several hours away, but uh, it was somewhere in Virginia. And so the Sheik goes into total, you know, working this guy. And he, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm kind of right next to the Sheik and I'm listening. But, you know, I'm, I'm in the, I've been, you know, in the wrestling business, but I'm not smart to the business side. And Sheik throws out a, a, a pay figure and i'm like damn i'm thinking he makes that much that's an awful lot that's way more than i thought and uh the guy just without okay yeah that's fine so she gives him the card of the guy that handles his trans and his deposits he said you need to contact this guy and, and he'll and he'll do the uh you know handle the deposit and give me my flight information etc so take care of that with him and the guy's okay yeah fine and she tells him i think he wants to fly delta uh that was a specific thing and and the guy yeah that's fine that's fine and then the sheik you know keeps going you know see what all you can get he says and you need to book my nephew <laughs> and i'm like i didn't even i'm thinking that i didn't know that she had a wrestling nephew and i feel a hand on my shoulder this is him right here he's great wrestler next great wrestler you know and i'm like what in the world is going on but i'm, I'm going along with it. i'm selling the thing you know not not sure how i said like, i think he just blew this deal for himself and the guy goes okay that's no problem that's no problem and then the sheik says you know and he gets paid x amount which was like no, I'm thinking that's way more than I ever get, like ten times as much. But the guy goes, "Okay, no problem, no problem, that's no problem." And he says, "Give him the date, yada yada yada." So the guy gives him the date and the venue and all this stuff, and uh, and so they they close this deal that just happened here in, in the course of you know five minutes. And the guy walks away, and she goes, "You give me half, you keep half." And I'm like, "Okay, well, <laughs> not, you know that half is still more than I was making normally." <laughs> So, like, you know, what just happened here? So I'm thinking, how dumb is this guy to think that the whitest, white-bred American dude ever is the nephew of the Iron Sheik? Like, I don't know how, like, obviously the guy, I think, ran two or three events, and that was it. But it was just a surreal moment where the Sheik just went total worker the whole way through and and just kept this guy going to get as much as he could get out of him. And the date happened, and the guy gave me that money, and I gave the Sheik his booking fee. 
You know, Tyler, you talk about, uh, you know, someone like the Iron Sheik opening up doors for you. And I just have to say, personally, you know that you did it for me. You know that I started as a fan and I'm a guy who likes to talk. And you gave me a chance to get behind the curtain. And, you know, I don't know if I ever got the booking fees that Sheik got. Thanks a lot, buddy. But there was always an envelope waiting there for me. And just to share that experience with, you know, I, I really appreciate it. So I want a chance to say personally, thank you. Uh, thank you. It was a mutually uh, beneficial relationship. You know, we had a lot of fun in the hills of West Virginia for a few years with a primal conflict wrestling. And I know that you continue, you know, your creative process. You know, you were a wrestler and then you became a guy who owned his own federation. And now you're working as an author, right? One of your Correct. many jobs. Yeah, one of my many jobs. Yeah. Yeah. One of my many jobs. Yeah. I've written uh, two uh, full length novels, uh, mystery novels, uh, uh, kind of focused around this ne'er do well uh, private investigator. Clay Sullivan and I recently, well, not recently, I guess less than a year ago, I did a uh, an ebook uh, novella um, called The uh, Mouse and the Cat Trap. Um, all those all those books are available on Amazon, and you can find all that kind of stuff at uh, TylerCatesAuthor.com. But yeah, you know, it's always something to to keep the creative juices going. I was really burnt out on wrestling, so like that kind of came to an end right before COVID. So. Um, you know, that was kind of a serendipitous situation, but you know, I went right into writing, like, less than, I, I guess I always wrote, I probably, I've probably written 10 books, but I've only published two. Mm -hmm. This is a character that has out. been in the back of your head and based on stuff that you grew up loving? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, uh, I've always, I've always been a fan or, you know, uh, of that, you know, 1940s uh, film noir, you know, Maltese Falcon, uh, Raymond Chandler stuff and, and that and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's and I've, I've like I say I've always written and uh you know like even in college you know I did some writing and won some some writing contests and things like that. But uh, as far as doing it like as a job and it you know like I, I don't live off of it now, but it is uh, it is a nice um, side hustle as as people say nowadays a little extra income passive income. But I, I enjoy it so much that I'll probably keep writing as long as people want to keep reading it um and then or i keep publishing as long as people want to read it i'll probably always write well, i appreciate it man i always appreciate when we have a chance to sit down and have lunch together tyler cates again if people want to check out what you're doing now with the new books and they're available online through amazon the website again it's uh tyler cates com, and i'll be at the uh fredericksburg independent book festival saturday june 17th in fredericksburg virginia that link is on my website as well all right and that is t-y-l-e-r-c-a-t-e-s tyler cates appreciate the time man thank you so much i'm going to close and say thank you bubba i appreciate it bubba <laughs> all right all right all right so so here we go we we just wrapped and, and <laughs> you can't you we can't wrap everything you're like oh wait 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 did you hear this chic story all right, so because everybody has a chic story. This is not one of your personal experiences. However, this is one of the best chic stories that Joe Dombrowski, world-renowned wrestling commentator, please tell me one of the best chic stories you have ever heard. I, I think my favorite chic story um, happened in the 1980s when the WWF had started drug testing, and this was... Uh, before any of the Sheik scandals, before any of his firings, anything like that. Uh, they call Sheik into Vince's office and uh, they sit him down and they say, uh, Sheik, uh, got something I got to tell you. We got the results from the drug test back. Uh, yes, Baba, yes, tell Sheiky. 
Uh, well, she, your drug test was positive. Yes, I knew it. Thank you, Bubba. Thank you. Number one, Sheik always positive. No, no, Sheik, Sheik, Sheik. No, it, it was positive. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, positive. Yes, Sheik do great. No, no, Sheik. That's bad. It's bad. That means they found drugs. They found it in your system. Oh. She's like, what? What? Wait, did 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 the Don Morocco test positive? No. <laughs> <laughs> did did the Jake the Snake test positive? Did did the junkyard dog? And he starts listing all these names of all these other WWF stars, and no, they didn't test positive. And she's like, "Oh, I don't understand. They were all with me doing it too." <laughs> so he inadvertently rashed out every single other person on the roster, and obviously himself did not even understand the, the nature of that test, and was so oblivious to it. I I just I just read a tweet today. Uh, by my good friend uh, Joaquin Wild, he tweeted today because someone had posted his only chic interaction where he was managing uh, the late great sweet and sour Larry Sweeney. Oh wow! He did an arm wrestling match with Iron Sheik in Chicago, and uh, Joaquin posted about the fact that Iron Sheik, before they started, got on the mic and demanded a moment of silence for all of his his friends and brothers in wrestling that had passed away, and. Uh, he then proceeded to uh, uh, count out the, the 10 second moment of silence out loud on the microphone. He's counting to 10 while everybody <laughs> instead else of doing the bells. Out. Yes. Yes. So Sheik, uh, that's just Sheik in a nutshell. He's a little oblivious. He's a little bit out there. He goes by the beat of his own drum, but man, there's nobody like him. And to, to know him, to meet him, to listen to him, whether he's, ranting about making somebody humble whether he's cutting a wrestling promo or whether he is you know cussing out his agent or or whatever he's doing iron Sheik was a true character in every sense of the word joe i know you gotta go we're way over time buddy i appreciate it thank you so much to quote tony Shivani, fans are out of time we'll see you <laughs>